welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. God, as the song we sing should remind us of the freedom we have in you. It should remind us that we have an eternal and sovereign God who has not only created us, but has redeemed us and now has purchased us so that we might be his and that you own us and that you care for us, God. And I pray, Lord, that today we would just be reminded of the great love you have for us. We're reminded of Jesus and what he's done for us. And God, we pray that in this moment, we would not try to explain who you are. For men can only attempt to use words. But today I pray that we would have an encounter with you. And that would be from your power. And that can only happen from your spirit. And so God, we ask that the spirit of the living God, he would come and he would touch us because we walk in here all over the place spiritually. But only you can reach us for where we are. There are some who come who are far from you. And there are some who come who are close to you, but are feeling very burdened and feeling distant. And today, God, we pray that you might awaken us to how much you love us. That you remind us of this great truth. And I pray that you would be real in this place, be alive in this place, and that we walk away knowing that you have spoken. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good to see everybody. Uh, well, if you're here for your very first time, my name is James. I'm the pastor here, and it's a pleasure to have you here. We are uh, continuing on in a series, and we're in a series on emotions. And it's so important that you talk about an area of emotions in your life because Emotions are kind of the one thing that sometimes as Christians we don't talk about, but the world talks about all the time. In fact, one of the things that we said early on was this, that as a Christian, as you become spiritually mature, you should become emotionally strong. You should have more peace, more patience. You should be more kind. You should have more joy. As we sang, the joy of the Lord is our strength. So emotionally, our emotion should be a testimony to the world that there is a living God and that he is real and he's real in my life. But the world trains us in emotions as well. And we said early on that there are really two ways that we learn how to deal with our emotions. We either learn how to project our emotions on the world or we learn to reject our emotions. You know, when you project your emotions onto people, you make them responsible for the way that you feel every day. And so what ends up happening is, you know, you, you get a thought in your mind and you text it. You get a thought in your mind and then you put it up. You react to everything. And so the distance between your head and your fingers is very short. And so you're always telling people about the way that you feel. And they are now partly responsible for your feelings. So when you project your emotions onto the world, it makes other people responsible. But the other thing that we've learned is that we learn to reject our emotions reject our emotions because, quite simply, we don't have time for the pain. This is New York City. Nobody cares. You just need to be productive. You need to get things done. You need to make a difference. And so because of that, I reject looking in on the inside. 
I don't want to feel. I want to move on. And so the nature of that is dangerous. But the third way is what we've been talking about, that we really don't want to project our emotions or reject our emotions. We want to inspect our emotions. We want to discover what's going on inside of us. When you feel something, it speaks to the way that you've been designed, the way that you've been made, and that your emotions are telling a story about what you care about, what you feel. And God has designed those feelings in you, so you're not, the feelings you have aren't evil, but what you do with them is your responsibility. And we said last week, you have a choice. Every time you feel something, you have a choice, either to submit the way you feel unto God and worship him, and along with other people in community, or you can isolate yourself. And you can reject community and reject God himself. And so because of that, we have a choice. You know, the Bible says a lot about our hearts. Our hearts, in essence, they're dangerous. <laughs> our hearts are a dangerous thing. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, it, it basically says that our hearts are deceitful above all else. That our heart can be manipulative and you can feel 100% right about something, but you inside know it's 100% wrong. Your heart does a good job of making you get comfortable with wrong things. And so because of that, because of that, the Bible says it's deceitful and you've got to be careful. Your heart's dangerous. You're going to fall in love with something. You're going to fall in love with something. And he says, it needs a cure. It's sick. It's not functioning the way it should. He says, who can understand it? But as what we said last week, you're a complex person. You're unique in the way you've been designed. And really, the question Jeremiah is asking is, who can really understand you? Who can get beyond the many layered realities of your life? And the Lord raises up his hand and says, I can. I got you. I understand you. I know they don't understand you, but I understand you because I design you. I understand every compartment of your life. I understand all the complexities of who you are. I, I am well acquainted with the things that you're falling in love with right now. I, I understand you. And so what, what the Bible is in essence calling us to do is not just take a look on the inside. It is in essence inviting God to search us. Search me, O oh God. Know what's going on inside of me. Look in all the different compartments and all the complexities of who I am. Search me. I invite you in. Because I don't want to just pay someone to search me. I don't want to just have good friends that search me. And I definitely don't want to just look on the inside by myself. I invite you in. And so why did we do this series? This is the last installment of this series, so I feel like i got to press into this. Why? Why? Why did we do this series? Because I want you to be awakened to your inner world. 
I want you to be awakened to what's going on to the inside of you. Hear me when I say this. The most important thing happening in your life right now is what's going on on the inside of you, not what's going on the outside. Everything happening externally is important, but the things that's going on inside of you are essential. That's the real world. That's what's really happening. What's happening inside of you. And it's like, I want you to have a revival. I want the scales to fall off your eyes. And I want you to take seriously what's happening in your heart every day. I want you to wake up to that. And I want you to process that great truth that your heart is to be examined by our God. You know, these are things that you may have never heard. Or these are things that you, you really never were taught because there's a good portion of you, if you had mom and dad there, what they kept pushing on you was the external world. Get that job because you need a job because you got to get out. Get that money. Get that husband. Get that wife. Get that degree. Get an education. Work hard. And life will work out when everything in the external world works to your benefit. You'll feel peace on the inside. And some of you have found out that to be a lie. So you kept hearing, work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard. And some of you have not discovered that yet. And so this is why I feel the great need to say these things. We have an image that I want to show. And this image is so important. It comes out of a book. It's actually a book on uh, uh, sexual addiction. But it's, I looked at it this week, and I just thought it was so appropriate to what we're talking about here. And it has to do with bonding bonding with your mom or bonding with your dad, but more importantly, bonding with your father. If you look here to the, uh, to the left-hand side, you see that the dad on the far left has a half-full heart. And that half-full-hearted father takes the son, and he now begins to pour his life into him. He takes him fishing and talks life over with him. But all he ever hears about are things he needs to acquire. And so the half-hearted dad ends up producing a half-hearted son. And the son always knows there's something wrong. But he was told by dad the seed was planted long ago. If you get this, things will get better. In fact, son, you feel wrong things. You know, we don't have a lot. If I worked harder, if I had gotten that degree... I'd have more, so son, work harder than I did. See these wrong feelings? There's a right answer. And in your head, and this oftentimes happens in relationships, you say, hmm, I got these wrong feelings, these wrong feelings. And so the son on the left-hand side begins to grow up, grow up, and his heart is not full. And so on the right-hand side, he says, you know what? And you see that thought cloud. He says, you know what? These wrong feelings will be extinct when I find the right one. You know what I'm talking about? The right one. When I find the right one, they'll have a full heart. And their full heart will pour into my half heart. 
and all my wrong feelings will be taken away by the right one. And you could take away the thought cloud of the woman and you could put in there a job. You could put in there career and success. You can put in there the way you look. But there is a tendency for your heart to attach itself to something grander and greater, more glorious and beautiful, to attach yourself to it so that you can feel full in your heart. And so all of us are trying to fill that space, that gap. And I wonder what it is for you, what is in that cloud of thought. You know, if you're married, you might still think they have a full heart. You might still think, oh, once we go to counseling, they'll be better. And they might get better, but they will never be able to fully satisfy the needs of your broken and damaged heart. So the seeds were planted long ago. What the Bible is explaining is that your heart is deceitful and it's wild and it's dangerous. And you're always wanting to attach yourself. So here's what's important. I want to look at a verse in the Proverbs, but here's what's important to just make clear. Every day you are experiencing your affection, your love. You are in love right now. And I'm not talking about relationships. I'm saying there is something that's captured your affection, something that's captured your attention, and it satisfies your heart. And you're angry when you can't fully experience it. You're anxious about whether you really have it. You're sad when it doesn't work out. But there is something that has captured your attention and your affection. And the Lord says in Matthew and all throughout Deuteronomy, he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your mind, because you have been designed for the one who can only fulfill those great needs, and he can only be the one to respond to your affection. Only God can fill your heart. Only God can. And so he says this, When I was a kid, I played, uh, played high school football. That was uh, over 20 years ago. And uh, <clears throat> my junior year, we, um, we made it to the semifinal. And I remember I was in the locker room after the game, and we had won the game. Played a team called Portchester. We won, and I remember the coach pulled me aside. And he said, you know what, James? We were good this year. But next year, whew, we got a good team. And if you work hard during the summer, we'll make it past the semifinal and we will win the states. And so the entire year, that's all I thought about. State championship, state championship, we're gonna win. And I can remember being in the hallway, talking to my teammates and telling them, this is our year. We're gonna win it, I, I promise you, we're gonna win. And we went, to the playoffs, and we were down 19 to nothing in the first half. And I remember I was in the locker room, and, and my sermonic days started then. I was preaching. I was like, we are not going to lose this game. And I, I remember I was punching the locker room walls and just telling people, we are not going to lose. And we won 27 to 19. 
And I just kept, I kept going, I kept going, because I, I believed that that state championship was the very thing, that seed he placed in my heart. I wanted to experience it, so I kept going, I kept going. And then we played against a team. They had three guys that were all Americans. They played a team they were called Glen Falls, and these dudes were huge, and this one guy I lined up against, he was like an eclipse, man, and he was just huge. And I remember, and I, remember I was just so amped, because I was like, you're not gonna beat me, there's no way. I wanna feel that feeling, I, wa- I want that, 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 that championship, I want it so bad. And we beat them 35 to nothing. And then we went into the state championship and we were in the carrier dome. And I'll never forget that the way the carrier dome was that when you pushed open the doors, there was like a vacuum and it pulled you in. And and I remember there were 20,000 people there. And and for a high school game, that was great for us. And so they're they're screaming and yelling and and I'm running in and I'm like, this is the moment. This is the moment. This is it. I'm gonna get that feeling. I know once I get that ring on my finger, this is gonna be incredible. 13 to nothing in the first half. Then they came back, and we ended up winning like 23 to 13, something like that. And I remember I threw the Gatorade on my coach's head, and I hugged him, and I was like, this is it. This is it. And I remember I was slapping high five to my friends. I was like, this is it. This is what we worked so hard for. Yeah, and we, I prayed us out, and we cried, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's amazing. I was in the newspaper and all state and all these things. And I remember I went back to the locker room. And my coach and I had this moment because a year before, we had had that moment in the locker room. He says, you could do it. And I said, we did it. And I started to put my, my jersey away. And I remember the moment I was sitting down and I zipped up my bag. And I thought to myself, that's it. That's it. Like, that's it? I got a fly on my head. I was like, wow, that was a deep statement. Maybe there was, maybe the Holy Spirit is just working in ways I didn't realize. But uh, I was, uh, I was amazed at how unfulfilled I was. And I remember just thinking, man, you know what it is because this is a championship in high school. So what I need is a championship in college. So once I get the championship in college, that's, see, ah, okay, I I got you, I'm on it. I went to college, went to the playoffs, and I just realized college football wasn't all that. But then I thought to myself, what it is is girls. (laughs) See, I need the right girl. So I dated this one girl, and I was like, see, she's not fine enough. I need another girl. Because, oh, what it is is I need multiple girls. Because if I'm with multiple girls, then I, you know what I'm saying? Is this honesty hard for you? And I was like, is the fly on me? What's going on? Is this and I, I'm thinking to myself, no. And then and I'm telling you, this is the testimony of my life. And I was like, no, it's not girls, it's drugs. I need to start smoking. They're like, yo, if you smoke, it'll be incredible. And I, I'm like, I start smoking. They're like, nah, you need, to, you need to smoke this good good. And so I'm like, oh, okay. This is the extra extra. All right. And I smoked the good good. And even after I drank and I smoked, and then I started bouncing in clubs. And so now I'm getting 
every ounce of weed I want. I'm with any girl I want. Everybody knows me. And then I, I pledged a fraternity because I was like, man, that is it. But I am telling you right now, right now, in your heart, there is a that's it. There is something you are being manipulated in this very moment to think it will satisfy your heart. And I want to proclaim to you, it is a lie. It is a lie. It is a lie. It will not satisfy your heart. It has only been intended to be useful for the glory of God. Whatever it is that you think that will satisfy you really was meant to be used for God's glory, not to satisfy your heart. Only God can occupy that space. Only God can occupy that space. And so in the Proverbs, Solomon, he pictures this incredible moment with a father and a son. And so if you would, just imagine God as a father. I mean, imagine just in this moment, just imagine God as your father. Now, I know we use that term and I know it's biblically accurate to use the term father, but there's a very good chance when I say father, you create such a transcendent, distant person that you can't bring him down to real life. So I just want you to imagine for a second God as your father. And then what I want you to imagine is imagine just like a father and a son or a father and a daughter. Imagine your father wanted you to take you out and have a conversation about, with you, not about your external world, but about your internal world. In other words, daughter, son, I'd like to take you out and let's sit down and let's talk. And I wanna talk about what's going on inside of you. And I know this freaks some of you out because I know a lot of your parents probably never had this kind of conversation with you. In fact, most parents tend to be physically absent, physically present, but emotionally absent. And so, imagine that, and then if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4. Proverbs, chapter 4. Solomon has been writing about wisdom, and that's what he does. He writes about wisdom in the entire book of Proverbs. But what he says here is very interesting. Imagine God speaking to his child. Give attention to my words. That word there is bringing this idea of focus. It brings this idea of removing distractions. Give attention to my words. Don't let them depart from your eyes Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now again, go, go back to the imagery with me. A father is with a son. A father is with a daughter, and they're sitting down. And if this is today's world, the same thing that a dad would probably have to deal with, he's dealing with then, he's like, son, put, put the phone down. Put the phone down. To just... I need, you to, I need to have some undivided attention. And I know, I know it's hard when you don't have anything on to focus, but I need you to turn down all those distractions and just, I want to have a conversation with you. And I want you to focus on something. I want you to hear the words I'm saying 
And I need these words to constantly be before your eyes, so much so that they go from your mind to your heart. And then I want you to realize this. At the very end, he says, for they are life to those who find them and their health. Son, if you would pay attention to what I'm telling you, I will help you avoid some of the wounds that the world naturally places on you. This is a healthy word for you. This is a healthy life I'm trying to tell you about. Son, pay attention to me. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And yet, I don't want you to just pay attention. I want the words I'm saying to go into your heart. If we were to summarize what Solomon is saying there, whatever has your attention has your affection. Right now, if your mind was a budget, what has been in your mental budget all week? What has your mind been going back to again and again and again and again? What have you been talking about again and again and again? In other words, what has your attention right now? I was with uh, some church planters the other day. And one of them began to talk about how their church was amazing. Just, you know, I mean, just uh, the, we, we experience in heaven on earth. You know what I'm saying? It's just amazing. Just our worship team and the preaching and life is just amazing. It's amazing. And I was like, it ain't all that. You know what I'm saying? It's just, yeah, it's not all that. But a seed got planted in my mind that what I have isn't good enough. And I felt myself paying attention, and I, and I started thinking, okay, what, do we, what changes do we need to make? Because I want heaven on earth. I want, what changes do I need to make? And I found myself starting to chase after something. And a small seed got planted in my mind. And I started giving attention to it. So when I say that, I, I, I'm not saying that for the sake of giving just a point and a message. I'm saying that so that you could experience what he says in Proverbs 4, that, that 23. He says, he says, I want you to have health and life. I want to preserve your life yeah. from making a critical decision. So in essence, what the Lord is saying is I want you to be your primary attention. I want to be your primary affection. And this goes deeper than church. It goes deeper than a quiet time. It means I want to be the king of your life. I want to be on the driver's seat. And if you would live a life like that, it will preserve you. But this last part in Proverbs 4 and 23, um, the way that it's written is written a little wrong. It's Proverbs 4 and 23 should be at the top, but it says, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it, the spring springs the issues of life. So he says out of that, you know, be careful of what you're focusing on. And in essence, I want you to guard, guard your heart above all else. There, um, Solomon pictures the heart as like an irrigation system, having water flow from it and providing water so that the rest of the trees and the rest of the bushes can be 
fulfilled. The flowers all come into blossom because the water is now providing for it. And in the same way, he's saying, out of your heart flow all the issues of life. So the people that you're paying attention to, the affections you have, you must guard your heart. I want to share um, two things about guarding your heart, and I pray that it is very helpful to you. First, um, when the Bible talks about guarding your heart, it's true. It's, it's saying that you must guard what's going inside of you. You must be careful about what you're taking in. Uh, a musician said once that uh, he actually paid thousands and thousands of dollars for security. After a concert, he wanted to be protected. And then he would go home and he would have a great alarm system and even have a dog. But he found that all the criticism that he was facing as he was a musician, all the criticism he was facing began to bother him. So he actually moved to Montana so that he could be alone and he could be by himself. And then one day he opened up his computer and he looked at the reviews of his last concert. And he noticed that those same things were bothering him. The criticism was killing him. And it began to work his mind and worry his heart. And he said something very profound. He said, it's crazy that I spent all this money for people to protect me. And then when I woke up and opened my computer, they still got in. He says, it's almost as if I forfeited all that money because they still were able to rob me of the peace that I wanted. And what he was essentially saying is, I've put security in some things, but not the right thing. You see, when the Bible says, above all else guard your heart, he's saying that your inner world is the most important thing happening to you. What's happening in your heart, that's what you need to guard above all else. The affections that you have for what you have it for, you need to guard that above all else. Think of it this way. You know, we guard things all the time. I'm about to go on sabbatical. I want to lose a few pounds. You know what I'm saying? I heard my friends talking about gluten. I don't know what gluten is, but I'm going to find out what it is. And I'm going to stop eating it because it sounds bad, Right? So you know what you do, you look, on, you look on it, you say, does it have gluten? Or whatever you do to find out about gluten, you know, you gluten or carbs. You know, you look on the back and you say, does this have carbs? And you examine it and you investigate it. You say, because I don't want this to, to hurt my goals. In other words, you say, I investigate this thing because I don't want it to go in me. And it is crazy that we will guard against gluten, but we won't guard against some people. In other words, we, it, we might, there's a very good chance that you could investigate nutritional value but not people value. I'm going to amen myself. <laughs> there is a very good chance that you are investigating what is going inside of you nutrition-wise, but you are not actually paying attention to the things that you're hearing, watching, and the people that you're with. You're not actually examining the effect that they're having on your spiritual life, but you examine food for your physical life. But he's saying above all else, above what you do on the nutritional scale, look at what's happening to you spiritually. Investigate that. 
Examine that. Guard against that because everything else flows from that. That's the way your heart works. And so this is the way we traditionally use the concept of guarding. Guard what's coming in. You know, Philippians chapter 4 says, don't be anxious for anything, but through prayer and supplication, you know, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your heart. So not, don't let anxiety in. But the Bible is not just saying guard your heart from what's going to flow in. The Bible is, in essence, also saying, because it talks about springing forth, the Bible is also saying guard yourself from how you will go out. Guard how you will love something. In other words, your, your, your heart is promiscuous and is really needy and longing for affection. So he says, guard your heart because your heart longs for things. I need, um, I need, some, I need some security. How about uh, Mark, and Rasul, and Chris? I need some, I need some men. All right, I need you guys to be my bodyguards. Okay, so turn around. All right, y'all are my bodyguards, right? And I need you to look, there you go. We looking like bodyguards now, you know what I'm saying? And I need you guys to protect me. And I'm gonna call you the word of God. And I'm gonna go, <laughs> no problem. And I'm gonna call you prayer. And I'm gonna call you fellowship. And I need you guys to protect me because here's the deal, look forward, don't look at me, look forward. I need you guys, I need you guys looking out because I have a problem. I won't realize what's going on. So word, I need you to cut through the things happening in my mind. I need you to get down to the very agenda of things going on in me. Watch that, got that, word up, good. Listen, prayer, I, I need you because I get anxious, I get afraid. And so I need you to really watch out for those fears and those anxieties. I need you to watch that, okay? You got that, okay? Community, you gotta show up big time because I have a tendency to do these things but be really bad at this. So like, I'll do this all day but I, I, I won't like let you protect me, right? In fact, sometimes I'll push you away and protect myself from you. So fellowship, I need you to be big time. And I need all three of y'all to work together, right? Watch my back. Guard me. Guard me. Guard from what's going on inside of me. Guard me. And that's the way we understand guarding. But I need you guys to turn around. Imagine if I'm a wild man. Imagine, imagine if somebody here one time, that almost happened in church that one time. Imagine there was a, <laughs> imagine there was a wild man and he was going to attack, attack people. And so as I go forward, I need you to guard me. I need you to guard me. I need you guys to guard me. See, because I want things. I want things so bad. And I long for things. I need you guys to stop me from falling in love with things that aren't God. So word of God, show me what I'm falling in love with. Prayer, talk to me, help me. Help me to be more intimate. Community, call me out. Call me out. Call me out and be in my life. In other words, I need you to protect my affection. Help me 
because I need a guard from what's going on inside of me, but I also need to guard what I'm putting out because I have a tendency to fall in love with crazy things. Thank you guys so much. So when he says guard your heart, he is not just talking about guarding, guarding yourself because you need protection. He's talking about guarding you. Guard your heart. You guard your heart. And as a pastor, as much as I, I can counsel you all day, but I cannot guard your heart. We can set up all the structures in the world at this church, but we cannot guard your heart. The reason why that is so important is because when you do not guard your heart, you end up letting in all these things and your heart becomes hard. And then you end up having a hard heart. And hard-hearted people have a tough time being open and caring and having empathy. Hard-hearted people have a tough time opening up to people. It's, it's hard for them because they've been hurt. And they didn't know how to guard themselves. <laughs> it's really challenging when you get into a relationship and you think, we, me and this person are going to be deep, only to find out they're not free. The other day I was, uh, I went to this store to get some bagels. And I was walking by the store, and it was my man. My man owns the store. And it was crazy. While I was walking over there, the store's door said open. But it was locked. And he was talking to somebody, so I started pushing on it. I was like, yo. And he, was, he didn't pay attention. I was like, yo, I want to come in. I want to get a bagel. And it says open. But it was really closed. And what was tripping me out was because the very thing I thought I could get, and it was prescribed to me. In fact, it was advertised I could have. I couldn't. Because even though he said he was open, he was really closed. And what's crazy is that people get into relationships and they say, man, we are going to be one. Only to find out the person thinks they're open, but they're really closed. They're really locked off and they can't get open. Because in many ways, they are afraid to let anybody else in. We have a quote from a guy named Chip Dodd. I think it's very helpful. He says, unless you're able to recognize the state of your heart, you can't value mine. Unless you're able to recognize the state of your heart, you can't value mine. And what I long for you to be is a really strong father and a really strong mother and a really strong husband or a really strong wife. I want you to be those people who are available for people emotionally. But if you are too afraid to investigate you, you can't investigate anybody else. You're gonna have a child, I'm, listen to me. You're gonna have a child come to you one day and say, mommy, 
Daddy, things are going on with me, and you will subtly speak to the state of their heart. But in the end, what you will tell them is suck it up, drive on, go to your room, be quiet, don't cry, don't bother me, because you cannot deal with them because you have not dealt with you. And I am trying to protect you. And I am trying to protect the generations after you. I believe that God has called you to be a full-hearted man and a full-hearted woman of God. And so in order to do that, you must start basking at the well of the Lord. His well does not run dry. And we read earlier that he says, I want you to yoke yourself to me because I will give you rest. This does not matter if no matter what age you are, today, today you can begin to ask yourself a question like, God, where am I? Why am I so angry? Why am I so sad? And invite him in to your emotional state. You can begin to look at what's happening to you spiritually. And you can see that as of the utmost importance, above all else, above all else. Holy Spirit, today there are strongholds of the past When I spoke of a father, there were people in this room that still feel the pain and the loss of never being able to connect with a fully hearted father. They still feel the brokenness of not being able to have someone help them interpret their world. And so they've pushed their whole life. God, I pray that you would break the bondage of the past and I pray that we would feel a deep sense of freedom, God. Freedom to be who you're calling us to be. Free, because this, my life, is a house that has many rooms. I want to be able to let people in. I want to be able to let people in. And I want to have a church of people that lets people in. And so, God, I pray that the love of God, the love of God would be my greatest attention this week. God, I pray that the love of God you are not just an imaginary father. You're a real father. You are Abba, Father. No matter how much of a father I had, no father can get close to me like you can. You are the intimate one. You are the right one. You are the one I have been looking for. And so I pray in the name of Jesus, let the love of God be my greatest attention. Let the love of God be the foundation of my life. Let the love of God be the very thing I dream of. And let God himself 
capture my imagination. Let God himself be the one I dream of. Let God himself be the one that I focus on. Only God can be the one. Only God can capture my heart. And only God can understand you. Only God can deal with you. Only God will put up with you. Only God will be there. Only God promises to never leave. Only God. And since he's the only God, then he should be your only God. Because you are the only God. And you should be the only one. Be my 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 one. Be my one. Be my one. I elect you today as the king of my heart. I elect you today as the king of my heart. Be my only one. Be my only one. Be my only one. Jesus, no more games. No more games. Help me to fight for your affection every day. There's something going to pour in and take away your attention. Help me to fight for your affection every day. And no matter where I am, remind me you have grace for where I am right now. You have grace for where I am right now. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.